0: You were listening to episode 192 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan.
1: Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators podcast, we like to talk about games. We recently picked up games we're currently playing, and today someone goes into the volcano in this week's Inflation Deflation
0: Challenge. So I don't recall the volcano part, maybe I'm just forgetting, but uh, we played some Tekken 3 today which got to tell you, man, it has been years and years and years since I actively like sat back and played a Tekken game. And Tekken 3 was like my entry game into the entire series uh, when I play a lot more frequently years ago. Uh, And it's one of my favorites. So I'm excited to talk about it this week.
1: Yeah, I mean, Tekken 3 for me, that was like my PS1 demo disc, one of the main games on there. So lots of uh, just playing Eddie Gordo on one or two maps. (laughs) Yeah, just a lot of nostalgia.
0: Stages. A lot of nostalgia going around, just in general, with that title. Uh, all right. Well, you know, as we uh, go through every week, our recent pickups and what we're currently playing. But first, you can find this episode on thegameinflators.com. dot You can also find us on at Game Deflators on Twitter, at the Game Deflators on Instagram and Facebook, and of course, you can find us on the podcast your app your our podcast app you are listening to right now, as well as leaving us a five star review. I need to just pre-record that, right? That's just need to we do. need
1: like one of those radio DJ decks where we can just hit buttons. Yeah, and, and that will be need. one of them, just the plug button.
0: Yeah, plug button. That's it. We'll just hit plug every week because I always put in like random places, right? Like it's either now or it's later on. Yeah. All right. Well, what were we uh, currently picked up? So I got extremely lucky this week, very very lucky. Uh, the first thing was a Sega Genesis collection. So I messaged a guy. I was kind of pissed because there was a few games that were missing, like some heavy hitters. But basically the, um, the guy had like a collection for a thousand bucks and it was like some PS2 games. It was some GameCube games, some Sega games, et cetera. And I messaged him like, Hey, I just want the Sega games because I looked at GameCube. I'm like, mm, sketchy, like GameCube games can be hit or miss. They can be super scratch. You go meet up. It's a pain in the ass. And there weren't that many good ones. It was like Star Fox Assault, which is OK. And a, a couple others. So I was like, mm, not worth even bothering. And I don't want to kind of let him on to think, oh, yeah, all he wants is GameCube and Sega. So I was like, yep, I just want Sega. And he's like, oh, you don't want any GameCube games or anything I'm like nope, Just Sega. And um, so, yeah, I met up with the guy and it was like 250 for the entire collection, but I tallied it out and like value wise on everything, including sports titles, which even if I remove sports titles, it's still like upwards of $600 in video games that I got. And that's considering that I input everything as loose on there when I was tallying up the total. Whereas if I would have had uh, some of them were uh, cover and loose or cover and cart, which usually increases value slightly. Um, you know, I'd think anywhere from like 600 to $700 in total value and I paid 250 Uh, The title I was really after in there was uh, Mystic Fighters, but Mystic Fighters got sold beforehand, which is so weird because some of the games in there were like Hellfire on the Sega, which is like a $60 game. And then like Booker Man, which is like 40 bucks. So it was just odd to see like certain titles still in there, but like the two key ones gone. So I'm guessing like whoever bought those going for like 50 bucks was like I'm done when they could have just negotiated. So the guy was like, oh, 500 bucks for every single game that I've got listed still. And I turned it down, and luckily I did because when I got there, the GameCube games were gone. The uh, PS2 games, uh, the ones that I would have wanted were gone, and the 360 games that he had, the ones I would have wanted, were gone. So I was lucky that I came and it was like 250, just the Sega Genesis. Got everything that I wanted out of that, other than the three games missing, and it was a solid pickup. The only downside is it all smells like smoke, because I guess the guy was smoking his car quite a bit, and uh Yeah. So I have a whole bunch of um, downy sheets or whatever, or like bounce sheets currently in a tote sealed with uh, plastic and tape. And I'll leave that in there for about a week. And that should get rid of all the smoke smell. Um, Fresh, fresh. Yeah, honestly, that's the best way to do it. Like if you ever come across a video game that is like completely covered in smoke, like even a book, you know, you just throw downy sheets or like bounce sheets in there on like the outside interior and whatnot. And then you slip it into a, a couple plastic bags and just leave it for like a week. It'll smell like bounce like that's will smell like you occasionally might get a hint of a cigarette, but not as often. And I had to do that for a collection a while back that I picked up where it was just every single game was just like covered in smoke smell. And uh, I cleaned all the cases, did what I need to do, but it's just so hard to get rid of that. So it was like bounce sheets inside of PS two cases outside literally stacked. It was like bounce sheet game, bounce sheet game, bounce sheet game, like the entire way for all of these bags. And uh, it ended up working out pretty nicely. Um, also with that guy, he said he does like storage units. So he said he comes across games all the time and he's like, Hey, so I had like several people flake on me to meet up. One guy tried to set me up like in an alleyway, some really crazy stuff. And he's like, I appreciate you coming out to, you know, a popular, like a, a populous location. Cause I think we've been in front of an Arby's, which I don't know how many people are going to get in front of an Arby's, but there was enough cars. Not what
1: I would call a populous location, yeah,
0: not a populous location, but it was like there were cars and there were people there. So it, it's safer, right? And so I mean you can still get shot and robbed right in broad daylight but that's a risk you kind of take. And um yeah, so he said like, "Hey, I appreciate you meeting up." He's like, "I was flaked on several times. You're, you know, communicative with me like all the things that I would have expected." And so he's like, "I actually find games a lot." He's like, "Give me your number," which I didn't. I gave him my Google voice number, which is tied to California. So it's like, "Here's my phone number." gave him that. Um so obviously no tracking to me, hopefully. And uh, he's like, I'll hit you up next time I come across a storage unit with games. Um, he's like, you know, you've already kind of passed that first test for me. where like, you're trustworthy enough to like come and meet up. You had the money, all that good stuff. So he's like, next time I come across some stuff, I'll let you know. And um, so that's pretty cool. So that might be, you know, I kind of take it a grain of salt because I've had that happen before. And people were like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll totally message you and whatnot. And they never do. But he seemed like. I need to turn my cash quickly because I've got my storage unit and supplement income. I don't care how much I get as long as I can get it quick enough. And uh, he didn't seem to want to do all the legwork for like higher price titles. So that was good. Uh, the other thing I got was uh cruel King and the great hero on the PS4. It is currently $35 on uh, Amazon prime. Now, one thing to note is that this is a sequel to the Liar Princess game that came out, uh, I guess, a couple years ago as well. That game is sitting like at 200 to 300 dollars for a new copy. And it's a very unique storybook, like almost uh, hand drawn type of style. Right. For the game. And it, it's always piqued my interest. I haven't played it yet, but it's one that piqued my interest a while back. I picked it up off a of whim. And then I saw this game come I'm like, hey, if this hits a sale, I'm going to buy it. Finally did. I'm like, well, I'm kind of curious. What is the the Liar Princess going for? And it's going for like stupid amount of money, like after a year of purchasing it. So this is one I would recommend is like a might as well pick it up to pick it up. It's a cool concept in terms of the art style. I haven't played it yet, but I've heard some great things about it. And uh, you don't want to kind of miss the boat on one of those where it's like, you know, I had the opportunity to spend thirty five bucks, but now it's three hundred and I play it or want to play it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I view those things. Uh, and then the last thing I got was an N64 collection yesterday. Uh, this one was interesting. So I walked into a local Goodwill and I found an N64 sitting in their electronics section, which is almost as rare as can be. Like to find N64 systems in a Goodwill nowadays because they send everything off the e-com is just shocking. So I picked up the N64, uh, found two gray controllers that were both original. And then walking around a little bit, I found the green jungle green N64 control. So not the green, but the jungle green that's like the translucent. Uh, that, that in itself is like a $47 controller. The expansion pack is in there as well. I got the power supply, which is good. Um, if it doesn't work, N64s are not the hardest thing to take apart and re and and stuff. Now, if it's the actual like slot where the game actually has to read, that's a different issue. But for the most part, like... If there's anything like minor that needs to be done, it's pretty easy to unsolder and resolder and whatnot. So happy with that. Um, and then the great thing about that and the reason you always ask is I walked up to an associate and said, you know, Hey, I just saw that this was on the shelf. I just picked it up. Did any games come with this? And she's like, Oh, let me go check. She goes to the back guy comes out. He's like, Oh yeah, I have a whole box and everything. Let me go price it out for you and I'll bring it up. He brings out a box of 13 games, one of which being, uh, Clay Fighter, not the Sculptor's Cut version, but just Clay Fighter. Uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. Uh, some NFL Blitz games, which are actually significant, not significantly high, but pretty good. Uh, Mickey Speedway and then Mario Kart 64. So, all in all, uh, with my 20% off Goodwill, Goodwill coupon, I spent $43 on all of that. Not so a Bad. Solid, solid pickup. Uh, all right. And am I currently playing? I am still playing Elden Ring. I actually just beat. Um, what's his name? I forget the name. It's after Godfrey, the golden, like Godfrey, but there's a, uh, enemy at like the top. I forget, his, you know, the guy with the staff, I forget his name. And it, like the first person you fight basically. Yeah. yeah oh so yeah. You,
1: yeah. When you fight Margot again.
0: Yeah. When you fight Margot again, that's who it is Margot. So I beat Margot again. That was actually fun. Like I summoned in two people right away, absolutely demolished him. And then uh, I started like, you know, summoning myself into people's games to be able to play. And then we absolutely demolished them like several more times. So, so you're caught fun. up to me. Uh, yeah, I'm like level 95 right now. Yeah, so you're caught I, up to me. I just got up to the um, the Forbidden Lands, I think it's called. So I just got there last night. Um, and I started going around there. That's kind of difficult. Uh, what's crazy, dude, is like some of the like main bosses are much easier than like just your normal random boss bosses that pop up. Like I had a hell of a time with the like Draconic Sentinel had to summon people in. I have beat several of the main bosses with no issue on my own. I've summoned people in just because I'm like, man, I don't want to sit here and like try to beat this guy like 30 times. Like I'll just summon somebody and like, I know I can do it, but it's like, I just don't want to take the time to like sit yeah. back and do it on my own. Um, and then like, I just, when I was in the Forsaken Lands or whatever, or Forbidden Lands, there's like this one thing that comes out with like a javelin or whatever, like flies down I forget its name. It's so, like, the black something I don't remember, but he comes in and he kills me with like two hits. I'm like, I took three hits from Margot, and there was no problem. This guy swoops down. He's like one shot KO in me every time mm-hmm. I'm like, this is bullshit. So yeah, some of the smaller bosses are harder, but I'm playing that. I'm enjoying it. It's uh, it's a lot of fun now that I've progressed further and up my weapons. I think I've got a moon Veil Katana level seven right now, which is pretty nice. Um I did level up my sword of night and flame I think it's called to like level 6 or 7 and that's been pretty cool. Uh so yeah, I'm enjoying it. I like playing with the different people that are on there and jumping in and helping out, so it's been a lot of fun as well. Um but I'm playing that and then I'm playing uh Kena: Bridge of Spirits still with my wife. We are on the second arc of the story uh where you are helping out I think it's the Woodsmith uh, in that game. It is still absolutely beautiful. Um Love this game so much, so much that I actually uh, purchased some bamboo wood chimes and some like coconut wood chimes to give me that sound of Kena. So like outside of my house now, I hear like bamboo and coconut and it's awesome. So uh, I absolutely love that game. And it is still, I think, one of my favorites on the year at this point. All
1: right. Sure. Off to you. Uh So I had no pickups this week. Um Next week, I might check out. Power Wash Simulator, when that comes out on Game Pass, uh, good things being said about that. And then um, that's it for that. Playing this week, I I did some other stuff besides playing, actually. I was able to undo the Project Eris that I screwed up putting onto your PS1 Classic. Mm-hmm. And I was able to get Autobleam running on there instead. It took me a little bit of trial and error, but not as much as I thought it would take me because computers hate me. Is that
0: one better? That other system you're using?
1: I have no idea. I all I did I got it running this morning. I assume they work the same. Gotcha. If you want to get this one instead, it seems way easier than the other one. So I would be confident trying it again and hopefully not screwing it up. But makes sense. The amount of it's one of those things like I recently cleaned up my whole room and I set up a spot that I can see to pile up all my projects that I've been putting off this week. I got that one done. I also replaced the, uh, thumbsticks in the joy cons. So,
0: oh dude, that's such an easy project too. Yeah. Once you do it,
1: I did three of them and I kept one that I think I already got Nintendo to replace so that I still have one spare out of the four pack that I ordered. But I mean, it came with everything. It came with all the screwdrivers. It came with extra bits that I didn't even wind up using. You know, it was super easy and straightforward. And you know, if you're somebody who doesn't think that you can do those kind of repairs and stuff, I mean, it's really introductory and I really have a lot more confidence now that I would like to try to do some more stuff like listening to John talk about soldering and things like I've got a friend trying to help me crack my um, game and watch my Zelda game and watch right now. And he's been having a dickens of a time but if you can do this that and the other you can basically make it so the USB-C port on it works but he's just not that confident in soldering and neither am I but somebody like John would probably have no problem and already have this done by now.
0: So no and it, to my friend helping me out. <laughs> so the interesting thing on soldering and just kind of a, a point for people that kind of hear about it, but don't do it. Um, it, it really isn't that hard once you kind of get used to it and practice a bit. And if you're going to practice on things like, I don't know, games, for example, it's, I would recommend things like the batteries, like old NES carts, like cheaper NES carts, if possible, if, if any have batteries um, or ones that do, I mean, uh, Game Boy games. So those are ones to, you know, like I started on a lot of Pokemon games. I used to change up batteries at the shop I worked at on a soldering station we had there. And I would just change up batteries all the time. And that progressed into things like, you know, removing the soldering from chips and removing, you know, capacitors from boards and all of that. Like once you kind of get the hang of those things and know like, get a general idea of like what you're supposed to do. It isn't too bad. Like I still make mistakes on things. Right. But it's not things that can't be like rectified. Um, Yeah. I mean, just watch videos and and practice a bit. And it kind of happens like it's not too hard. Like uh, probably the easiest soldering job I did was uh, I forget the, the technical term. I think it's a Pico capacitor or something like that. But it's on a Super Nintendo. And it's like if there's a lightning strike and your Super Nintendo just dies and won't turn on it's because that particular capacitor blew out and it's literally just two endpoints. Like you get some tweezers or whatever you're going to use or, or uh, small pliers and you hold that and you unsolder the two ends and just take that piece off and put the new one on like the new capacitor. And it's like quick, like it's a five minute fix and your Super Nintendo works again. Like mm-hmm. it's the same, like you don't have to throw it out uh, after that. So it's little things like that. And it's allowed me to kind of pick up broken consoles here and there and do that. And, it's, and I'm not saying anything secretive, you know, like mm. there's probably collectors out there, like, why are you telling people? But I mean, it's not like you can't go on YouTube on how to fix a Super Nintendo after a lightning strike. Like, yeah, the fair. barrier
1: entry is lower than you think.
0: Yeah, it's, it's just, not that bad. You got to
1: take that first step and changing out your Joy Cons. Like, instead of going and buying a $70 new pair, you can get, I got for 20 bucks, a uh, four pack of replacements and all the tools to do it. And it was super easy. So definitely check that out. Um, I've been playing my secret game and I've decided, John, guess what? You get one question a week. Okay. That works. Um, yes or no, though. We're doing it like 20 questions style.
0: Yeah, no, I get you. You're going to start keeping track of these. Uh, oh, I'm trying to, the guy? A, trying to think of trying to think of consoles you have. You've got a PlayStation one. You've got a PS two now, that I sold you. You've got a PS three and you've got an Xbox one. Or uh, Xbox Series S, I mean. So I'm going to take a guess. Actually, I'm going to say, is it on PlayStation 2? No. Damn it. I should have just said, is it on a PlayStation console? That would have been
1: better. Uh, Well, that might have been a better question. That might have been.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. That is question one. You'll have to put this in like a separate tab for us, by the way.
1: I I got it in the the outline.
0: Okay, cool. Oh, I see it coming in now. And then...
1: I am going to be on a trip next week. And one thing that I have had a lot of fun in the past doing is like listening to just one thing or playing one game on a trip. And it kind of like solidifies those memories together in a way. So I've been looking for a new game and I posted on Twitter the other day. Uh, Check us out. And I got a great suggestion to check out the Mega Man Battle Network for GBA. So I'll check that out. And if I really dig that, that'll be even more incentive to pick up that Battle Network collection whenever that comes out. I'm just getting it anyways. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's supposed to be like a 16 hour game. I could do 16 hour game in four days on a vacation.
0: Yeah, I've heard great things in this series. I think you and I played a Battle Network game actually on the GameCube.
1: Yeah, we tried one and I don't think we figured it out very
0: much. No, but I mean, the Game Boy versions are different. I've heard nothing but good stuff on those. Yeah. And, dude, that, that anime series, too, the Battle Network anime series. Did you ever watch that?
1: Yeah, on, uh, like, WB in the morning or something. Yeah,
0: dude, that, that, that show was a lot of fun, actually. I wasn't a huge Mega Man fan growing up, but, like, I like that show.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it was good stuff. Had Metabots so. vibes.
0: Yep, it was good stuff. All right, well, uh, this week we we're going to talk a few things. Uh, first one is probably the biggest news that, that we heard all week, which was Sony announcing PlayStation Stars which I'm surprised I didn't say all stars. Uh, but this is a loyalty program for gamers. This is uh, Shannon Lau of Washington post, uh, that went ahead and wrote about this one. So basically Sony is introducing their version of a digital, I guess you could say club Nintendo or really just Xbox. Um, you know what Xbox does with their awards and whatnot. Um, I forget the technical term, right? So I don't there's Xbox.
1: Microsoft rewards. Uh, Microsoft rewards. Our buddy told me about it a few weeks ago. And when this announcement came out, I was like, that's exactly like what he was talking about. I need to still get signed up for that.
0: Where well, I guess go the ahead. cool thing is like, you know, we've already seen they're going to be putting peripherals and whatnot on the PC. They've got the whole line that's coming out on that. They've got all the great stuff happening with PS5. And games that have been announced that are going to be going to PC as well. So I see this as a direct, you know, answer to Microsoft Rewards um, in a way. Right. And also, it's just something that really has been needed. I think Uh, you've got the trophy system, which is great. But when you think about it, the trophies are kind of old at this point. Right. And the trophies, you get a trophy for just about everything. How much time am I actively playing? And, and they've kind of done this, right? At the end of a year, you get that report. It's like you played X amount of hours. Here's the types of games you played. Here's the game you played the most. How many games you beat, all of that good stuff. Like that's really cool things that they have coming out. But that's where it stays, right? So to have like this, these digital rewards that you can go ahead and and use and these digital trophies of characters and whatnot and like statues, I think it's a pretty cool thing. And one of the things to note on this is it is not NFTs, which I think is most important and will be music to the ears of Barry Carenza, premium edition games.
1: Yeah, the the whole approach here is a little different. So Microsoft's is a little BSE. Um, you tie it in with like Microsoft Edge and Bing and you go online and you do like X amount of searches a day and you get some points and you do a little quiz thing and you get some points and you do some Xbox stuff and you get some points, but what you could do with those points is you could turn it into like Amazon money. I think like, I think you could do like real stuff with it. Oh damn. Whereas, you know, Sony's is going to be like, Oh yeah. You were the first person to platinum the new God of war in your time zone. Here's, you know, five bucks in Sony fun bucks. That you can go spend on the DLC for that game. So I mean it's like like Chuck E. Cheese money. Well, I mean, it is real. Like, especially if you're if you're the kind of person who's going to thrive off this system, you're the kind of person who's spending that actual time playing. So you're basically getting rewarded with like some coupons. So you can like, you know, get a discount on your monthly membership or or whatever. So it's not a bad thing at all. I mean, Obviously, Sony is not going to give away money the way Microsoft is going to give away money. They just aren't the same level of kind of thing. Like they don't have a Sony integrated browser. They're trying to push on your smartphone or their own. Soon, right? Soon. I don't know. It's fine. It's cool. Um, I like my Starbucks stars. So Sony stars are fine. But I guarantee you, I'm not going to make any money off of this at the rate that I buy and play games there's there's no way and what happens to people that already like this is only going to be for new games moving forward i assume because like somebody that's already got like i don't know what a really good sony gamer score equivalent thing is but if they had like some huge number of points and a bunch of trophies they're not all of a sudden going to release the stars program and people are just going to have like a bankroll coming in their way or anything
0: No, but they may do something, you know, like you're going to have gamers are like, what the hell? Like I'm level whatever in terms of my trophies. And I've got I don't know how many trophies I got, but I think it's in the thousands. So like we've got all these trophies, like you're going to give us something for being loyal all this time, you know, or are you just going to start it now? So I think Sony will kind of throw a bone that way Um, and not it might not be like financially laden, but it might be you know, hey, you've been on PlayStation Plus or PlayStation playing your games for over 10 years. Here's a 10 year anniversary trophy, like or 10 year anniversary statue, things like that. Um, I could see that coming in.
1: Yeah, it'd be awesome to see, like, I think it was somebody I was listening to the other day was saying that, like, they've done so much cool stuff with um, their, like, VR intro game and their PS5 intro game. What's that little robot?
0: I don't remember off the top of my head, dude.
1: You know, the little Sony Bob yeah, demo I know who game. you're talking about, yeah. Um. You know, they've got all kinds of cool nostalgia stuff in there. And they used to have, like, the PlayStation Home thing in the VR. So, like, new PSVR 2, having, like, cool statues and stuff around to see that aren't NFTs. Totally a cool thing to have again. Um. Yeah, I'm... I don't know. There's nothing wrong to say about this. This will be like a fun new thing. And it's good that Sony's taking kind of the right approach because it's very obvious looking at this, how they could screw this up and burn everybody if they really wanted to, but they showed restraint, which is
0: seldom seen these days. Yep. Um, Overall, man, I'm just excited in general for this and, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know what we can do i i think kind of talking back on the the home piece of it or going back to that i could see this as like home 2 coming into the near future with the playstation 2 vr or playstation vr 2 not playstation 2 it'd be badass if it was uh but you know a, a place to store your trophies a place to show off a place to integrate with people and communicate and given that you have things like metaverse and all that kind of sparking up home 2 feels like the next you know, approach that they should be taking. And I mean, for a lot of us, it'd be pretty nostalgic to have that, right? Because we played, I guess, Home was on technically PS3, right? So, you know, we had that years ago to be able to put it on PS5, like with today's technology, I think would be pretty awesome. So we'll see how it goes. All right. Next thing is the U.S. gaming sales, uh, or really just U.S. gaming sales in general, have taken a slump in the first half of 2022. This is Steven uh, Totolo of Axios. And so this kind of surprises me, but it doesn't. Right. So I think we saw a major spike in game sales, obviously in 2020 and 2021, respectively 2022, we are entering into a recession. Now Uh, I blame back to work, uh, back to work. Uh, (laughs) We have inflation. Is at crazy highs at this point? I think it's all time highs if I'm correct or not all time highs, but it's pretty, pretty crazy. Um, so not to get all into the financial aspects of it, but it makes sense that there's hey, a lot going here. Yeah, that's, tax. It sucks. yeah, right. Let's talk stock. Let's talk about what you should buy right now. We'll have the buzzer. Like what's his name? Not GameStop.
1: Don't buy GameStop. I did read that this week.
0: Now uh, you see that means buy GameStop. Whenever is it? Jim Cramer to said that? I don't know. It was, uh, it
1: was a Google headline thing in my, there's a
0: whole Reddit apparently of people that when Jim Cramer says don't do something, they do it and they end up doing okay. So if Jim Cramer has told you don't buy GameStop, buy GameStop, um, not financial advice by the way coming from me, but, All I will say on this is, uh, you know, there's a lot going on in the world right now that is likely contributing to the fact that we are not seeing a massive amount of game sales. I don't have the stats directly in front of me. So if you want to pull those up, some of them, but it's like, yeah, I got uh, it
1: all up here. Okay, so so, yeah, go ahead. uh, Decline 10 percent compared to the first half of 2021 down 26.3 billion. Um, Some of that stats comes from like games. In general, are down not uh ten percent hardware nine percent accessories fourteen percent. See, people are repairing their Joy-Cons. Um, <laughs> we've got uh, Google Play is down. Apple is up apparently. You know maybe Apple Arcade is doing good for them. Um, the only like real big game that's like selling super well still, Elden Ring keeps doing good. Mario Strikers was like the only new game from june to top npd sales charts so you know there's i think it's just in a drought right now like we had all these announcements recently and all of them were like look at all this stuff that's going to happen in the next 12 months the next 12 months are going to be good nintendo said so xbox said so uh i don't have a playstation so i don't really care what they're talking about right now outside of god of war coming out but you know the future of gaming it's a it's a give and take it's a wave if you look too close at too short a time frame you're not really getting any perspective so you know yeah this will this too will come around and we will get more ps5s out in the world we'll get more xboxes out in the world god knows that eventually they'll make a new switch
0: <laughs> eventually and that'll obviously sell a gangbusters right away assuming they can have a stock of it right away.
1: All right. Now we know we need to title this episode, switch Two rumors,
0: (laughs) switch Two rumors again. Yeah. Yeah. It'll spark tons of interest, right? It always does. Um, no. And I think the really cool thing about all this is Elden ring just continues to sell like crazy. Like again, in June, it topped the charts, right? So they're saying it's outsold the most recent call of duty, which I don't know if that's like supposed to be impressive or not, because call of duty is just kind of turned into garbage over the years. Uh, but people, for whatever reason, still buy it. Um, I, you know, a lot of us call of duty, like crazy call of duty fans, like that's all they play. I just can't imagine, like, I don't know, they say, Hey, I'm gonna sell my game collection and list it online right now. And then you look at this, like, PS4, PS5, PS3 game collection, it's just. All Call of Duty. You know how painful that is when you like go into like a Goodwill or a thrift store and you look on the shelf and it's all Call of Duty or like all sports games or whatever it may be. It's so painful. Like that's people's collections. It well, drives me insane. It's like I took that picture I
1: posted online the other day of my tiny little Xbox collection. They're all B and E games.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's funny. Uh, you said B and S initially, and Barry's like, no, it looks like B to E to me. And I'm like, yep, yeah, that Elder Scrolls that's in there. You called it at Skyrim. That's right. Yeah, Um, I
1: I thought BS was a funny thing.
0: Yeah, I know. I I, could read the titles. I saw I saw what you did and I saw what Barry did. I'm like, I don't know if Barry got the joke or he's just trying to make a joke, too. But yeah, it it worked out.
1: But like organizing Um, all my stuff, I realized how few games I really do have.
0: Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm like, here's a stack of 15. Let's move it over here. Another stack of 15. Move it to this part of the shelf. Like, dude, organizing my collection when I get a new title is an absolute bitch. Like it's yeah. so bad. I have to actually leave gaps in between certain sections. So that way I don't have to go from like the bottom of all of my games and shift like a thousand games yeah. over to be able to do it. It's so painful. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think your collection ended up turning out pretty good over there. Um, so I, I like how it looks just looking at the camera every day, Thank not every day, but every time we record. So the uh, next thing we have here is a Unity CEO has sparked fury, saying developers who don't consider monetization are effing idiots. And this one is Andy Chalk at PC Gamer. Uh, so, Ryan, uh, I'll let you kick off this one because I know we like to talk about, um, you know, a lot about monetization and video games and loot crates and everything else. So uh, it's your favorite subject.
1: Yeah. So. You know, usually when one of these things goes off, my like D-bag sensor flares and it's like, oh, I've heard of that D-bag before. Uh, but John Ricitellio, uh, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but... It doesn't matter. He's a D-bag, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I've not heard of this guy. I guess he used to be in charge at EA and he's CEO over at Unity. Um, there's been some other Unity news that they aren't happy. They've recently merged with... Uh, what was the company? Some company that's been pushing like pushing out malware or something, and all the uh, employees are kind of upset about that too. It's iron source they merged with. Yeah. Uh, but in this article, he basically said, Yeah, that you know there's room in the industry for creatives, but if you're not Thinking about how you're going to monetize your game that you're doing something wrong now there was an update at the end of the article where they say that um, let's see at update the day after his ill-advised comments for extended a somewhat qualified apology on twitter the majority of replies to his tweet do not seem especially impressed or moved by his statement however and his tweet was clickbait out of full context deeply sorry if what I said offended any game dev absolutely love the people that make games creative hard work hashtag unity and you know that's like a pretty lackluster apology uh if ever I've seen one and this is really like a CEO kind of mindset a business kind of mindset like I know that you know game devs do want to make money there are people out there thinking about these things and you know, hopefully trying to do good by themselves and their customers in doing it. But to think that game developers need to do anything but put the fun of the game first is completely ass backwards way to do it. I mean, obviously it's a business model, but before monetization, people were able to make games and people are still going to be able to make games without monetization moving forward into the future. So You know, if that's where your priorities lay, you're probably going to keep pumping out, you know, like seven out of 10 games that charge people too much money. And if that's how you want to run your studio, that's fine. But to say anything slight about other creatives not putting money first is really just speaking to the problems with the industries and these types of people in the industry.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to kind of take a different approach on this one. Um, you know, I can see what he's saying and the idea here is, you know, developers who don't consider monetization are effing idiots. And in some respect, I can kind of agree with that. And here's why I'll say. I can kind of agree with it. If you're developing a game and you're doing it for the love of gaming and having it on the market, that's great, right? But there are other ways to monetize. It could be through, and you know, maybe he didn't mean in this regard, but it can be through collectible items via collector's editions, um, stickers, like various things that you can do to increase the monetary value of that game that's being released. Now, he's probably talking more on the digital front, right? DLC, skins, all of that. And if you're not considering that, you're an effing idiot, is his point. Um, I think there's a time and place for it, right? You're going to have a lot of indie developers that they don't care about that. It's just the beauty of the game, getting it out into market. But there are other larger studios who may not consider it, And he's in a sense kind of correct on this. If you are not at least considering other options for monetization in your game, given today's climate and gaming. Yeah, you might be an idiot um, just based on that, but it doesn't make it wrong that you don't include it. It doesn't make it wrong that you are including it. So long as you're not doing like those, you know, predatory practices like loot boxes and such, and like making that the focal point of your game. If story comes first, and you consider monetization in certain aspects, secondary, then that's okay to do that. As long as the story component comes first, I think consumers would say, you know, totally agree. You're giving us more options and you know, it kind of goes against what I said in the past, but as long as you're giving the full blown game in advance and in considering monetization for things like skins as a secondary component that gamers can choose to go with or not, I don't see any issue in what he said. Um, and I think he kind of clarifies that in a sense, right? Um, just to read his quote again, uh, let me pull it up. I got it right here. So clickbait, out of full context, deeply sorry if what I said, offended any game dev, absolutely love the people make games in creative, hard work, unity, right? So I think what he's saying, you know, could be taken out of context wherever, he, you know, the devs are effing idiots that they don't consider it. I think that could be taken out of context. Um, it doesn't, you know... Get around the fact that he worked for ea for years and it's probably you know 101 for him right is how can i make money off of anything um but I, I can see also where it'd be taken out of context
1: yeah so. and the article mentioned skate uh skate was recently announced to be you know it's going to be a live service game not just like skate for like everybody would have maybe hoped for and with the skateboarding genre it's ripe for picking for that type of monetization even if you're going to just do skins and you know and decks things like that because like that's the whole thing in a skateboarding game like it's all going to feel the same like there might be you know slight boost to different gear or wheels or whatever i don't know some games do that but a lot of the times it's just like oh you know you got money so that you can unlock a new deck or you just unlock new skins or wheels or trucks or whatever, but it's like if they could go through and nickel and dime you for every last little thing, like you've lost the heart and soul of part of the original genre. Like it wasn't just doing the skateboarding, but making the skateboard and person that you wanted to be was a part of the game. And now that's all, you know, maybe that's going to get walled off in favor of just trying to make more money off of you.
0: You know, and maybe it's a different approach, right? Maybe it's kind of similar to what you have with like Apex Legends where yes, you have loot crates in Apex Legends and you can pay for loot crates or you can earn them via levels that you gain, right? And you just earn those crates or there's the ability to um, purchase if you want to purchase. So maybe there's an opportunity there to... You know, through the gameplay itself, earning credits while you play to be able to unlock things. But if you want those things faster, you can purchase them or you can complete in game tasks and achievements and certain amount of moves and all that type of stuff and online play. So, you know, I think if some of these companies moving forward can kind of think of a way that's consumer friendly with the opportunity to purchase if they want, you know, and I think that's the way the. Uh, gaming industry is going anyways right it's not necessarily all going to be loot crates but it's where can we monetize and can we do it in a manner that is not going to upset people uh, can we do it in a manner where you can have the option to go either via your own grinding or pay for it to go faster and as long as it doesn't impact the game which is why i'm okay with things like skins and character faces and hair and all that type of stuff being an option like as long as you have a set list of options that you could choose from that are default options and then those are all secondary like after the fact that type of stuff i think is okay um and it it deviates from you know what we talked about in the past which is like oh you want everything you know well you gotta buy it you know so i i think it's a happy medium that we're gonna be entering here pretty soon we'll see (laughs) yeah we'll, we'll see man like the, the industry is evolving so quickly and there's so many things happening with technology and, and the way video games are approached that I think we're going to we're entering into a period of time where we're trying to find happy mediums. We're trying to do things in a certain manner and it's going to take some time to level out, you know, but it's always evolving. Um, OK, our inflation deflation this week, we actually played Tekken 3. Uh, so it was developed by Namco, published by Namco Home Tech, directed by uh, Masamichi Abe. Uh, I'm gonna guess that was wrong. Um, uh, Yutaka Kunoe and then Katsuhiro Harara. And that was uh, released in March of 1997. It is a fighting game with a reception of around 9, plus, and rightfully so. This game was fantastic. It was always a title to play when I was younger. Uh, it was the only fighting game that we played on PS1 for a number of years uh, until I got into PS2 and started playing things like Virtual Fighter. Tekken was like my exclusive uh, game that I would play fighting wise on the PS1. Um, the unlockables in this game, uh, you do have other characters you can unlock. I forget the name of him. We'd have to look it up. But There's a ton to, of them. Yeah, there's a ton of unlockables. Uh, my favorite being the little uh, dragon that you can unlock. Gone? Yeah, so you can unlock him. Uh, You've also got the kangaroo. I forget his name right off the bat. I don't have a list in front of me of all unlockables, but there are multiple unlockables that you can get in this title, and they are all great characters. They all have fantastic movesets. Every single character in the arcade, as many of you would know if you played the Tekken series, they all have I don't think the kangaroo's in this one. Is he not? I could have sworn he was in the first one. I don't think so, because it doesn't come up
1: on the list here. Oh, okay. So what was his name? I don't know. I tried searching kangaroo on the wiki and it didn't come up. So I assume it's not in there. I don't think
0: it's seven. Uh, Roger, uh, who first appeared in Tekken two introduced in Tekken three ancient ogre. So yeah, it's Roger. I think he was in Tekken three. Maybe it was Tekken two, but either way, there's lots of unlockables, including Roger in Tekken two. And (laughs) So, you know, and each story, if you're familiar with the Tekken series, like every character has their own like story that's tied into the arcade mode. So you open up with your character, battle through to arcade, and then they have like their arc that kind of finishes up, gives you incentive to continually play every single character, gives you incentive to unlock characters and so on. Um, a lot of great fun with the multiplayer versus mode in this. You don't have to pay for anything. You don't have to pay for anything. Uh, you can download movesets or not download movesets, but look at movesets online and practice. And it's just a lot of fun. Like I, it There's was other nice, modes in this too. Uh, I didn't even mess. I think there's a time attack mode. Is that correct?
1: So there's time attack. There's also, um, what's the name of that mode?
0: Since we weren't playing together this week, um, I ended up just opting to, Do the arcade mode and run through that real quick. Oh, Tekken Force. You didn't try the Tekken Force mode? I remember that. Isn't it kind of like a beat-em-up version? Yeah, it's like a beat-em-up.
1: It's weird. So I I was playing... I haven't played Tekken in forever. Tekken 3 uh, was on my PS1 demo disc, so I played a lot of Eddie and... Ling Xiaoyu and... The, there was just like those two characters and like two stages so that's the most tech at three I ever really did um I know that the the story of Tekken is pretty elaborate you know I made the joke at opening about the volcano because I think like every game like they take turns throwing each other into the volcano at the end like Jin and Hayachi or something like that um mm-hmm. I had a hard time I, I used like Four continues by the time I got to Heachi, and then he just trounced me over and over again too quickly for me to do anything. I was trying to do um, Yoshimitsu and I had, I had a good time. I really like going back down like this kind of nostalgia route, uh, finally getting my PS1 Classic reset up so that I could use it again and posting up in front of my TV, sitting on the floor and... Um, I think that it was a lot of fun and I would actually like to play more of this. You know, considering how poor the PS1 Classic really was as a release, I've had so much fun playing this and Ridge Racer and I want to sit back down and play more PlayStation games on this. So I'm excited to uh, take the opportunity to do more of that. And maybe I will play more of this in particular.
0: You know, everybody shit on that PS Classic when it came out. But I mean, you have... Abe's Odyssey is on there. final fantasy seven, the persona revelation. I think the first one is on there. That's like a 300 something dollar game in itself. Like it's not a bad system. Yeah. Like, but it's it felt actually way better paying $30 than a hundred dollars for it. Yeah, Well, yeah, that's true. Like I, I think I bought mine for 20 and or uh, 20. Yeah. at yeah, Best buy. It was a solid pickup at 20. I wish I would've picked up more. I should've just bought them out, dude. Right. Like, I don't know why it ever even got that low. Like people just shit all over it. I think a lot of it's because they produce so many. Mm-hmm. And the Nintendo uh, consoles, the classics that came out for that were very solid, solid consoles. So, you know, it, it does look a little outdated as far as the look and feel of the uh, the emulation portion of it. Uh, but it's still solid console, solid games. I mean, if, if there's value to be had in this console, it's definitely, I think there's greater value in this than some of the other uh, consoles out there. So. so
1: let's get down to brass tacks just for Tekken 3
0: itself. Uh we're looking complete
1: in box, $17.99. That peaked at $24.99 back in June of 2021. That's currently on a, a little bit of a downward curve. And then loose going for 1097. That peaked at 1223 back in July 2021. And that's trending up. So, you know, maybe the two will meet one day in the middle. I doubt it. But you know. I think $17.99, Tekken 3 is a solid title, man. I I honestly
0: don't think that that's overpriced. I would call it just right for a title like this. Honestly, I would think it's deflated. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I would say deflated, because this is the type of game that even if you spend 20 bucks on it, there's so much playability that comes out of this. Uh, given that you have the time attack mode, you've got the other mode that we had talked about there, which has the beat-em-up aspect. It's and I of remember- dumb.
1: I, I, I tried it. It was very um, hard. You only get one
0: life bar, and then you are mm-hmm. booted back to the menu. So it's, it's definitely I think you something could, you could spend some time on. I think you can multiplayer on that, if I'm correct. But uh, yes, I, I do get that component, but you unlock characters through that as well. So there's mm. incentive to play it. Uh, so you have that. You have the, you know, the uh, regular arcade mode, all of the stories tied to everybody's Mode as well that you're playing as, so I I like it a lot. I think twenty bucks is a solid price for this game. If you came across it at a game store and it was twenty dollars for a black label complete in box, pick it up at twenty bucks. You're not going to be doing yourself a disservice. There are far worse games that you could buy for twenty dollars or more uh, than Tekken Three. So I, I would definitely say this is uh, deflated. Sweet. Yeah. So. that's a wrap on Tekken, right? So now we got to play Tekken one and two and be thoroughly disappointed, you know, because (laughs) they really did amp it up in Tekken three. I felt. Yeah. Yeah, I I played Tekken one and two.
1: It looks, you know, this is when fighting games and 3d games in general really started to get over that curve and start to look a lot less super freaky. Like the CGI in this is definitely not the greatest, like, but it holds up but it's definitely over that curve where it's not as bad anymore and you know it's it's kind of a slower fighting game you know i think that some of the older fighting games like and new fighting games fighting games in general you know they're too fast for me and i i usually don't feel like super confident in them but know i know i was just playing against the computer and any real person would whoop me but i feel like i could go back spend some time
0: with this and have some fun just fighting against the computer well if you thought this was slow uh you should play virtual fighter (laughs) (laughs) because that's even worse uh it's such a slow pace but those are two of my favorite fighting franchises i've absolutely loved playing those over the years um it's been a while since i played any fighting games just because You know, it's when you get to a certain age, unless you have somebody that you can consistently play with fighting game wise, or if you play online, you usually don't play fighting games. You usually play, you know, one player games. Or if you have somebody that is interested in like uh, adventure games, you'll play that with somebody. Or if you have kids, you're not normally playing fighting games. So, you know, it just kind of. You need to be in the
1: fighting game community or in the audience for it to really get in. It's so hard to break into because everybody who's still playing is killers. Yeah. Unless you jump right on board a new game. Like I tried to do that with Dragon Ball fighters or Dragon Ball Z fighter. And it was like the, the infrastructure wasn't set up. So for like the first two weeks I could never get a match. So I set it down and then I try to come back a month later. And the only people who are still on are just like, you know, single combo killers. And it's like, well, I guess I'm just, I just didn't make the window on this one.
0: Yeah. And it's kind of disappointing with fighting games. And it's something I've noticed as well Is there's a point in entry where like, if you're like 12 or something and you're getting into Tekken right now, and it's not like that's our audience. I don't think we have any 12 year olds to follow us, but if, if you, you are, know, if, let us know. No, <laughs> no, please don't actually. Uh, so, cause they shouldn't be listening to our stuff. Anyways, we have the explicit warning, right? So you shouldn't be listening to us, but if you're like 12 years old and you start playing like a fighting game and you stick with that same fighting game throughout your gaming life, you're going to get really good at that fighting game. But you and I obviously when we were younger, we enjoyed things like RPGs and action adventure and racing games and like other things, so we really did spread out, which is why we're not good at any particular type of game. Like we can be competitive, like I can be competitive in things like Elden Ring. Even though I don't spend a ton of time on, it, I can be competitive in driving games or uh, you know, some sports games and that type of stuff. But when it comes to the fighting scene, there's just a point of entry where you got to like dedicate a lot of time, even first person shooters, you got to dedicate a lot of time to get really mm-hmm. good. And if you miss that boat, you're not going to be as good as a and lot. You got to have a good reaction. Yeah, I mean, the reaction kind of comes with time of playing. But um, but as you get older, that doesn't help either. Right. There's a reason that it's a younger audience for things like first person shooters and fighting games,
1: and MOBAs. Yeah. All the Dota
0: players retire when they're like 30. (laughs) Right. And it's not like they're making a ton of money. I mean, some of them do, but like those teams that don't win anything, it's not like they're making a ton of money in their gaming. Mm. So yeah, kind of tough after that. So I think we chose different paths. We went through, you know, salaried careers and enjoying our video games versus like hardcore practice in a certain genre. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, there's still people that, kind of live our lives and are very good, but they might only play that one game. Yeah. So, all right. Well, dude, I had a lot of fun with this one. I wish we could have played this one in person. Uh, so maybe yeah. we'll reserve fighting games in the future for in-person play because... Gotta have been, that versus. Yeah, it would have been. I mean, we, we could still do It's it. just Next not fun if you don't
1: kick my ass.
0: Yeah, I would have destroyed you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, uh, so we're in the middle of... We're talking on the phone and Ryan's like, oh, I just got past Eddie Gordo. And I don't know if it was your first I was on
1: stage three and
0: you were already on like
1: stage six
0: yeah so he's on stage three and I'm like talking to him on the phone and he's like all right well and I'm like hold on I'm entering stage seven he's like what the hell yeah so I actually Jin was the only one that gave me any trouble by the way I guess you know really quick we can we can kind of talk to we talked a little bit to it but you know you're right on the graphics I think the graphics are they still hold up in my opinion uh, the music is still solid. And I think yeah. the movement of the characters is very much on par with what I would hope in a fighting game. There's no crazy input lag that comes with it. Uh, so I, I, I think, think it's for... a great
1: fighting cast in the mm-hmm. Tekken 3. Like That is it's well. a very interesting, diverse cast. Um, I, I dig it. This is definitely a classic fighting game worth picking up.
0: Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, this has been episode one ninety two of Game to Flavors Podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.